Hello, this is Basil Howard Brown, and welcome to Messages of Revival. I'm so excited to share this word with you right now. I believe it's a timely one and will minister the love of Jesus to you. We are a new creation in Christ Jesus. All things have passed away and all things have become new. God is good. And remember, the joy of the Lord is your strength. God bless. Hello, and welcome to Messages of Revival. This is Basil Howard Brown. You're going to either be watching this via our podcast, a video podcast on YouTube, or you're going to be listening to this voice podcast. Either way, I know you're going to be blessed. I want you to share this podcast with somebody that needs a touch of heaven. Uh, we are on the series of the anointing, and today we're going to begin, this is really part one of how to increase the anointing in your life. Uh, very important subject. I believe the anointing has helped us to do what we have done for God for these last past 28 years now, and uh, I believe it's going to carry us through the days that lie ahead. We need God's anointing upon us, and, uh, you know, we don't want to dry up. We don't want to become stagnant. We don't want to uh, fade away on this whole thing. We want to continue to grow in the things of God and increase the anointing in our life on a daily basis, even over a year so that next year we're doing greater things and the year after that we're doing greater things for the kingdom of heaven. Uh, and I believe in the increase and we've seen God's anointing increase in our life uh, for many, many years now. And I don't believe He's done yet. Amen. So let me read a few foundation scriptures. We're going to jump right into this teaching. Uh, if you have your Bibles, if not, uh, please do not read along while you drive. Just listen. Uh, Luke chapter 4 and verse 14 says, And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. And they went out of fame of him throughout all the region round about, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. Then he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. When he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering a sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Sometimes I kind of think about that scripture where he found that passage, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. I bet you that upset a few religious folks in that synagogue on that Sabbath day. And that's what I love about Jesus. You know, he never backed down, never looked the other way. He just said it as it was. And... Um, He's a man, he's definitely a man you can learn from. Amen. Now, in Luke chapter 5 and verse 15 says, But, but so much the more went their fame abroad of him, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. And he withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. And it came to pass on a certain day, as he was teaching, that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which would come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Then in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. And we looked at that in part three, I believe it was. Uh, and let me say this. Um, if God needed to anoint Jesus with the Holy Ghost and power, how much more does he need to anoint us? Many people today are doing what they're doing out of their own ability, out of their own structure, out of their own mindset. They're doing stuff 
because of other people saying, hey, we should do it this way, we should do it that way. The bottom line is this, we should be doing what God wants us to do the way God wants us to do it, not because, you know, let me say this, God spoke to me one day and he said, Basil, he said, when I speak things to you, be careful who you share this with, because there will be many that will say, well, in my past experience, I never saw that work out. This is what I, I learned. Um, and you know, that is exactly what happened. I mean, I shared that with a friend of mine, and, he, and that's exactly what he said. In, in, in past experiences, uh, you know, I, I never saw that work out. And I went, wow, Lord, that's just what you told me. And here's what the Lord said to me. He said, many people have past experiences because they haven't listened to me and followed my voice and my plan and my purpose for their life. I'll say that again. God said this, many people have had past experiences because they never followed my plan and my purpose for their life. Let me, let me say this. We experience things in our life many times because of ourselves. And it's not the plan of God at all. Now, obviously we can learn from those things, but it's not the plan of God that we go through those things. Are oh, you listening to me? Always being led by the Spirit of God is, is, is very, very important. Now, in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 20, it says, But ye have an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things. And then down in verse 27 it says, But the anointing which ye have received of Him abideth in you, that ye need not that any man teach you. But the same anointing teaches you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie. And even as it is taught you, you shall abide in Him. Now, let me say this, because people use the Scripture saying, Well, I don't need to go to church. I don't need a pastor or a pastor. I don't need to be listening to anybody else teach on anything because the Holy Spirit's going to teach me all things. Now, let me, let me say this quickly. Yes, the Holy Spirit will teach us, but there's times where the Holy Spirit teaches me while I'm one-on-one -on -one with Him, I'm in the Word, I'm, I'm, I'm doing what I'm doing now or whatever. He teach me some things. I've learned a lot by sitting listening to ministers preach on, on the good news of the gospel and then suddenly revelation comes to me while they're busy preaching and teaching. So it's not man, it's not man that I'm listening to to gain knowledge from. I'm listening to the man teach and preach the word of God so that I can get a revelation of the word and allow the Holy Spirit to teach me that into my spirit, man, so that I can get that revelation. You understand what I mean? So it doesn't mean to say that we can become a hermit, go hide away, and then we're going to know all things because the Holy Spirit is there. That's not what the Bible is saying there. In Acts chapter, I'm sorry, in Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27, it says, It shall come to pass in that day that the burden shall be taken away from off thy shoulder and the yoke from off thy neck, and the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. Now, there are some Bibles that talk about uh, the anointing breaking the yoke. Because, you know, there's a lot of translations of the Bible, and some translations actually water down from the original King James Version uh, they'll actually water that down. And so there's some that say the yoke shall be broken uh, because of the anointing. And I, I've already shared on this, but I'll share it on again because it's very important. Understand something. When the anointing destroys the yoke of bondage off you, the devil cannot put that together and put it back on you. When, when God sets you free, you are free indeed. That's the deal. So when the anointing of God comes on you, that bondage that you have on you, it's destroyed off your life and the devil can never bring it back because when God sets you free, you're free. Now, I'll give you this example. I'm walking down the road one day uh, with my son, my wife, my daughters, 
uh, in Missouri. And I looked on the corner of my eye, saw a carriage and a horse being pulled past uh, us down the road. And I began to quote the scripture, the anointing of God destroys the yoke of bondage and sets the captive free. Well, my son just said to me, Dad, why did you quote that scripture? What are you, what's going on? And I said, you see that horse in that carriage? I said, you see that horse? That horse has a yoke. That thing around the neck is called a yoke. And that yoke is attached to the carriage behind him. And everywhere that horse goes, that carriage has to go. If you take that horse with that carriage and put him in a field with a hundred wild horses, those hundred wild horses can go anywhere they want to. They can run through the bush. They can run around. They can turn sharp corners and, and, and they're free. But I said that horse with a carriage cannot go where those horses can go. Why? Because he's got this yoke around his neck and the yoke is attached to what we can call a burden or a carriage. And everywhere he goes, he's got to pull that with him. And that's the same with the believer. The believer's walking around. The devil's come around, put this yoke around their neck. And everywhere they go, they're carrying this burden with them. It might be a burden of, of a failed marriage. It could be a burden of sickness, cancer, disease. It could be a burden of poverty and lack. And could be a burden of depression. I mean, there's multiple burdens that the devil would come along and put on us as believers. But in the same breath, God wants to set you free from that. You know, it's very hard to walk around with these burdens, carrying, pulling them around and be free in the things of God to, to, to be able to minister and let God minister through us and even to us. So when we lay all that on the altar, that's what the anointing of God does. It comes along, destroys that yoke of bondage and sets you completely free, completely free. And then that stuff that you carried for many years is gone. God's anointing will destroy that yoke to such a degree that the devil can come along and put it back on you. Think about that carefully. The devil cannot come along and bring back the past and put it on you. Many Christians are living in their past, uh, which hinders their present and causes a blockage in their future. I'll say that again. Many Christians are living in their past, which, which uh, hinders their present and puts a block on their future. God wants to set you free from your past. When He sets you free, the past is past at last, or as you might say, the past is past at last. The bottom line is this, the past is gone. It's over. It's finished. The only one that's going to remember your past, I found this out to be, is the devil and maybe some friends. <laughs> okay, that's it. God doesn't remember your past. In actual fact, the Bible talks about the fact that when you come to Him and, and you lay it all on the altar and you repent, and He sets you free. And then He does not remember what brought you to that place. Imagine that. Imagine being delivered and set free and forgiven that your past is gone and um, God doesn't even remember what brought you to that place. So here's what you have to do. You have to allow the Holy Spirit to come, set you free on the inside, deliver you from that stuff. Let the anointing destroy. I feel the anointing of God here right now. Let the anointing of God destroy that off your life, set you free. Renew your mind concerning the Word and concerning what Jesus has already done for you at Calvary. And then I'm telling you right now, you walk in victory. You'll walk in victory. you walk in freedom because the bottom line is this. Those things of the past are past. Amen. They're past. They're gone. It's over. 
Let's look quickly at this, a formula or a relationship. Many people try to imitate other people's ministries. You know, when we came into America and got touched by the Holy Ghost, traveled with my brother Rodney, uh, left to go on the, on the road, God dropped a very similar anointing on us as he did him. And joy breaks out, people get touched by the fire. I mean, there's things going on. It's Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost revival, that's what it is. I'm not trying to be my brother, I'm trying to be myself. I've had people come along and say, hey, we've come to see how much you are like to your brother. And I'm always like, look, we same father, same mother. Walk a bit the same, talk a bit the same, sound a bit the same. Bottom line is this, different administration, different personalities. God uses us because of us, not in spite of us. Um, and, and so the bottom line is this, we just let God use us as we are. As we are, God comes, uses us, touches us, changes us, and then, and then away we go, doing whatever God wants us to do. You know, I always try to check out my motives. What are my motives for doing what I'm doing? Um, Smith Wigglesworth, let's, let's touch on him quickly. Smith Wigglesworth would get up at 4 o'clock in the morning and have communion and pray. God uses men in a very, very powerful, wonderful way. Now, people read his life story, <clears throat> they think the key to moving in the Holy Ghost and the anointing is getting up at four o'clock in the morning, having communion and pray. You know, when we were doing two meetings a day, six days a week, I would only be going to bed at two in the morning. Now, how do I get up at four, have communion and pray? Now, if God had told me to do that, I would have done that, but I didn't do it because somebody else did it. So... So people are looking for the key. What's the key? What's the formula? What is, what is the key to unlocking uh, the anointing in your life? The key is laying it all on the altar and letting God come and bring about a change on the inside of you. That's the key. Just because Smith Wigglesworth did that does not mean to say that's the key to the moving of the Holy Ghost in your life. That's what God wanted him to do. He did what God wanted him to do. God might say to you, get up at six o'clock and pray and and have communion, and then do that. But don't, don't do it because Smith did it. Do it because God is directing you to do that. Can you say amen? There's no formula. We've had people come along, <coughs> excuse me, we had people come along and sit in the meetings and, and, and try to find the formula, you know. Uh, we've had a minister come along and, and uh, Holy Ghost man, Holy Ghost man, come along, sit in the meeting, uh, you know, take notes and go, hey, I can do this and go off to his own meetings and, and try to do the exact same thing we do. <coughs> doesn't work out. doesn't work out. It's not a formula. I've had Baptist ministers come and sit in my meetings and try to get the plan. And then they talk to me and say, well, I don't see a plan. And I'm like, I don't have one. I don't have a plan. I'm just doing whatever the Holy Ghost wants me to do. Every meeting is going to be different. You can come tomorrow, the next day, the day thereafter. There will not be one meeting this week the same as the other one before. Why? Because the Holy Ghost is in control. And when the Holy Ghost gets in control, then we just let God's anointing flow. And then God does whatever He wants to do. Deals with the people that needs to be dealt with and touches hearts and lives of those people. So, it's not a formula, but it's a relationship. When you have a relationship with God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit then God can move through you and talk to you and share things with you. And because of that, allow you to do 
what he wants done in a meeting. That's all I want to do. I don't want to do anything outside of the will of the Father. And I sure don't want it to be me. I want it to be all him. If it can be him, then it can be anything. I'll get in some churches, some meetings, and just begin to preach the gospel. And I can tell you right now, if God don't move, I don't move. I wait on the Lord. And every time I wait on the Lord, He show up and then begin to move. And when He does, the miracles begin to happen. And I stand in amazement. I just stand back looking at this in amazement going, wow, God, you're amazing. You're amazing. You amaze me at what you do and how you move in a meeting. And it's got nothing to do with me. I'm not responsible. That's what I love about the anointing. Folks, this has been a great session this morning, and I believe it's going to be a blessing to you. Share this with others. Let other people know about the, the podcast and the, uh, the video podcast on YouTube. Go to our YouTube channel, like and subscribe, and share these podcasts around. And let's believe God together that there's an army of believers that are being raised up in these last days, full of the Holy Ghost, full of the fire of God that's going to carry this anointing across the nation. Get ready because there's another session coming. Love you all. Bye-bye. If you don't know Jesus and need to rededicate your life right now, pray this prayer with me. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I confess right now that Jesus, you are my Lord and my Savior. Come into my heart. Take out the hardened heart and give me a heart of flesh. Change me, Lord. Let me never be the same again. I repent and turn from my ways. I make you Lord of my life right now. Use me, Lord, in these days we are in. I am ready for your coming and always will be. I love you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul and setting me free. Amen. Now, if you pray this prayer, I would love to hear from you. So please email me at revivalpodcasthb at gmail.com. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Messages of Revival Podcast. For more, subscribe to Messages of Revival Podcast on Anchor, Google Podcast, and iTunes, and share this podcast with somebody that needs to be uplifted and blessed. God bless you.